Good morning. Didn't they do a good job today? So this year has been interesting year, right? We can all agree on that. It's been challenging. And our skit today has a lot to do with what we've looked at the last year, what we've dealt with as a community, as a congregation, and really a world. So before we dig into our passage, I want to give you a little context of this this chapter today. So Hebrews chapter 10 is a book all about Christ's sacrifice and what it means for us once and for all. And when you're talking about sacrifices, right, you're thinking about the Old Testament sacrifices. Look at verse 4. It says, For it is impossible the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So when we're talking about Jesus and his sacrifice for us, if you look back to the Old Testament, people had to make sacrifices all the time. They had to make sacrifices in faith for their sin. But these sacrifices were never truly good enough. They were waiting for God to make the one and true way through his son. And so, verse 4, understanding that context, of, yeah, they, they made tons of sacrifices. And the biggest sacrifice here was the Day of Atonement. These were never enough. There's another verse that I want to fill you in, and it's the second half of verse 16. It says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. God was making a new way. He was changing the path of salvation. Not changing it from the Old Testament because there was still an aspect of faith. People believed that the Messiah was coming. That was their faith through their sacrifices. But Jesus changes us from the inside. God gives us the Holy Spirit, and through that, the laws are written on our hearts. It changes the way we live. Now, sometimes you feel that. You feel that pull or that tug, conviction. Maybe you don't even know necessarily where it says in the Bible where this is wrong or this is what you should do, but you feel that spirit tugging on you. That's because God is changing us from the inside. It's the working of his son. There's one more verse I want you to look at. It's verse 17. And it says, then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And that's the gospel. Knowing that anything that I do or have done is forgiven. There's grace to cover that. That my faith in Jesus, that Jesus paid it all, is enough. And so I don't have to feel like I'm afraid of God, but know that he sent his, his son to die for me because he loves me. We see his great love displayed through his sacrifice. So now that you have some context, I want you to look back at verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, and in some translations it might say brothers and sisters, so it's not just the men here. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So when you're thinking about this, you might say, well, you know, sometimes I'm a little intimidated or I'm a little afraid of God. And understandably so, Proverbs 9, 
10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, when you come to this realization of how big God is, how powerful, and really, he created Like, we serve a big God. And for us to realize, like, oh man, he holds salvation in his hands. He holds my life. If he wants to take me today, I can't. So that, that brings a certain fear. But we can have confidence. How does that work out? Well, we don't need to hold on to this life. Now, I'm not saying go play out in traffic. But I am saying we can have confidence that our hope, our salvation is in That we have an eternity to look forward to. And not just that, but he's so ever entwined in our life here. He wants to be a part of it. Look at verse 20. It says, By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. This is kind of a reference back to the gospel accounts. If you guys are familiar with the gospel accounts, I hope you are. But we know that God supernaturally, when, when Jesus was dying on the cross, tore the curtain, tore the veil. And if you know, um, you know, at that time, and, and the Pharisees were these religious people, and they were kind of part of this exclusive club. You had your regular you know, might have understood some of the law, but you had the professionals. Think of it today as, you know, me or Pastor Phil or Pastor Mitch. Those were kind of the Pharisees. But they did a very good job of making it exclusive, saying, well, you're not good enough to be up here. Jesus tore the veil, which symbolized a new and living way, a new hope for all who believe in Jesus that they can have hope in God's son. So, for us, we realize, we recognize that we are sinful people. Like, we are called to live like Jesus, but we're never going to attain perfection here. It's through his grace that we can have confidence. And that veil being torn, it's a reminder, just like when we break bread. It was his body broken for us. It's a reminder that without Jesus, we don't have confidence to be here. And if you look back in the Gospels with the Pharisees, the most religious people, they might have looked good on the outside, but inside, and their actions and their heart, they were more sinful than probably a lot of the tax collectors or the people that you see referenced because really... When they were taking their tithes, they were keeping it for themselves. They were, they were rich. They were taking advantage of God's word. That's why they didn't like Jesus. That's why they put him on the cross. So verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So my first question for you today is, and I want you to ask yourself this, is do I regularly recognize the cost that Jesus paid for my eternity. So this was an expensive cost. We should recognize this daily. 
This is the Son of God coming down for us, living a perfect and holy life, like I talked about. This is a perfect God, something that we don't really deserve to be in the presence of, but yet he shows his love by dying for us on the cross. Do you recognize that daily? Is that something that you take, whether you're in school, whether you're at work, whether you're staying at home and taking care of your family? Do you recognize that Jesus' cost for us to have confidence, for us to not worry about what happens here and what happens in eternity was expensive? So back to verse 21. It says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So Jesus is this high priest. If you think back to the Old Testament, there was the Day of Atonement. And this was a pretty significant um, day. It happened once a year. And in this time, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And if you're familiar with it or you've, you've read up on a lot of it, they would actually tie a rope around the great high priest. Because if he wasn't doing something right, he wasn't fulfilling the law the way he was called to, or he was living in sin, there was a good chance that he was going to die in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but that would intimidate me. So they're going to tie a rope around you because no one else can walk in. Otherwise, they'd die too. So if you're, you know, not moving or anything, they can pull you out instead of next year the priest coming in and seeing a corpse kind of rotting around. But this was to understand that no human could ever be a great high priest. If you think about Phil or Mitch, yeah, they, their job is to point you to Jesus. But they're still human. They still need grace just as much as we all do. Jesus was the perfect high priest for us. Now, some people think, well, you know, I, I've talked to my priest or, or my pastor, depending on your background. And yeah, their job is to help guide you. Their job is to be a shepherd. But they're not the mediator for you to get to God. God wants to have a relationship with you, and it's personal. If you think about people that, you know, get set up on, on a date between two of their friends, right? There's a guy and there's a girl, and there's the mediator. That mediator brings them together, but eventually that person that brought them together kind of steps out. And that relationship is fostered between those two. Our relationship sometimes with God is like that. Somebody's probably led us to Jesus, but it doesn't stay like that. Now, people can help you with your relationship. You need outside sources, but your relationship is between you and God. No one's going to stand before God except you. So let's go on to the next verse. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we should have confidence. Full assurance of faith. If you look at this verse, there's a lot to unpack, but we're called to draw with a true heart I think a better word to use for that is genuine. When you come before God, 
do you do it because you desire to? Because you want to have a close-knit relationship with him? Or do you do it because you feel you have to? I think about all the wonderful people that, that help make church possible. And we've seen our youth today help make church possible. But my prayer is that it's a genuine desire to serve because this is my way to give back to God. This isn't what saves me, but this is just my way to show my appreciation for what God has done for me so that I can have full assurance because I already know that he saved me. And it says, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, are you constantly coming before God and recognizing like, you know what, I deal with a lot of sin, but I need to make sure that I am coming at a place of worship to honor God when I spend time with him in prayer, when I'm in his word, when I come here to church to serve. And it says, washed with pure water. Now, I know there's some differing views on baptism, but if you think about what baptism symbolizes, it's the washing away of your sins to recognize that Jesus has paid it all, that I don't have to feel like I'm, I'm dirty before God because our sin has caused a gap between us and God, but Jesus has bridged that. So my second question for you is, ask yourself this, do I regularly come before God cleansed to have that relationship with him? And we all serve God in different ways. Some of us is music, some of us is teaching, some of us is just being in the background and, and serving, you know, on the tech. But we all have a call to worship him, and it should come from a genuine heart. Do you desire to do that genuinely? Not because you have to, but because this is the way that I want to serve God. Let's look at verse 20, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, think about this year. All of us had our own challenges. And for some of us, it was harder than others. Some of us are still facing challenges. We go through a life full of challenges, but hopefully it brings us closer to him. But for us in the church, for us that believe in Christ, we have a greater call. We have a call to point to our hope. This confession of our hope, right? We have put our hope that our salvation fully relies on Jesus. And because of this, this changes our life. This changes our life here. So since it changes our life here, don't we need to hold on to that? You think about all the differing views that our world is throwing out. This is the way, this is the way. And there's always, there always seems to be two polar opposite opposing views. But the one consistent should be God's word. For many of us, right, I'm, I'm 25, but there's people that are older than me. <laughs> and you think about what the world was like 20 years ago. 20 years ago, the things that were good are now bad. And the things that were bad are becoming good. But Christians, followers of Christ, should look the same 20 years ago as they do today because his word is unchanging. How are you holding on to this confession 
of your hope? And how are you living that out, even in the midst of a world that is a little bit in a pandemic, and there's, you know, you got rumors and all types of stuff. How do we look different? How do we look the same from our brothers and sisters 10, 20, 30, multiple generations ago? How do we look the same to those brothers and sisters? Now, our skit, you can see, there is an intentionality with coming to church. We need each other as a church, and this is, this is really how I'm going to wrap up these next three verses, is there's an importance for us meeting as a body. Christ has paid it all. We know that. But what's the purpose of church? Part of it is to come to worship. But sometimes we need church for ourselves, right? Sometimes there's times that our brothers and sisters will help build us up in confidence. But more times than not, we come to church to be a blessing to someone else. I've been talking to the students all year about this. And I say, church is important. You need to rely on it for yourself, but also be able to give back. Because you guys have something to offer everyone here. Now we saw kids that might have been in their single digits in age. We have teenagers here. I see people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way up to the 90s, right? And every generation has something to offer another. When you think about even our teenagers today, the culture is kind of shifting, as it does, and I'm sure the people that are older will say, oh, I've seen it shift like three, four, five, six times. But to be a good witness, to be effective for the gospel in today's world, maybe it's important to talk to a teenager, get to know them, understand what their perspectives are and how you're going to make a difference in your community, how you're going to shift with the culture, not changing your message, not changing your hope, but saying, I know how to be effective in today's world. And likewise for our teenagers, how are you guys asking the older generation and say, hey, is this word true? You seem like a faithful person. How have you walked through life and seen this word be true? Because at one point they were just like you. And they faced challenges just like you. They've had the same thoughts run through their minds. And they have faced the same challenges. So look, look at verse 24. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is important. Again, when I think about church, this is not just a place that we just come to hang out because we have to. Again, it's a genuineness. But when we come, are we intentional to push each other to greater love? Whether that's for each other here in church, or maybe that's your neighbors down the street or the people you work with. When you think about showing Christ's love to the world, how do you live that out? We have another thing that we've been talking about in youth group, and, and I know a lot of the girls don't love this word, but it's, it's called accountability. And when you think about stirring one another for good works, yeah, we can, we can do a pretty good job being a Pharisee ourselves, right? Saying, you know, I, I did this this week. Or, you know, uh, you know I was, I was going to share the gospel with my friend, but it didn't really happen. How are we holding 
each other accountable to being, to looking like Jesus, to looking more like Jesus in our everyday lives. Because yeah, we can have the heart, but sometimes we need that extra push. Sometimes we need to be challenged by our peers to take that next step. The third question is, do I live out the value of gathering with other believers regularly? So when you come here, there's more than just coming here and sitting in a pew and talking about the weather because that's the easy thing to go to. I know I love to talk about how I hate the cold. (laughs) But there's an intentional purpose for us being here. And we have something to offer each other. There is a value to being here. Which brings us to our last verse. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So think about what we faced as a church, as an individual in this last year. There's been a lot of challenges. And I will say firsthand, as somebody that is in full-time ministry for the last two years now, is I see it. I meet with John from Faith Baptist. I meet with Chase from Grace. Um, I talked to another youth pastor back home in Delaware. And I actually also reached out to another youth pastor in Michigan. And there's a spiritual battle going on. There is a battle for not only the souls of the teenagers, but the souls of every single one of us. We are in a spiritual war. And that's not always an easy thing to say. It's not always an easy thing to realize. But do you realize that Satan wants nothing more than to see the people of East Glenville fall? He wants nothing more than to see our future generation not be followers of Christ. He wants nothing more than to see me, Mitch, Pastor Phil, or whoever is up here fall into sin, fall into temptation, because then the people on the outside, you know what they'll say? Look, they're just like everybody else. They're playing pretend. So how are we keeping each other accountable? How are we challenging each other? Because in all reality, we're still sinners. We still have things that pop up in our lives, and we need to hold each other accountable, hold each other to the standard that we never reach in Christ, but we need to make sure that we don't fall into deep sin. Because if we fall into deep sin, we, we do a good job covering it up. And then Satan loves to twist the word. We're not having this confidence that this, this word is talking about, but we're fearful of God. We don't want to have that relationship with him. Sometimes when we sin, we're like, I don't know if I can hang out with God or I can't pray with him. Now I realize for a lot of us here, you know, you guys are here. So I'm talking, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are at church. You guys want to be here and maybe it's just in support. But, and for our friends online, I'm not asking you guys to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Like I said, I'm not asking anyone to be unwise. I'm not telling people to play in traffic. But what I am asking is make sure you're meeting with somebody. Make sure that you are practicing this iron sharpening iron and living in your daily life because people are watching. Both your fellow believers, the ones that are questioning that might be sitting around you today, and your neighbors and the people that you work with. So, again, 
we are facing a challenge, and it's, it's no different than it was five years ago or even last year. The same challenge that we're facing today is the same challenge that we were facing a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, because we have to constantly be on guard. Look at the end of this verse. It says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Eventually Christ is coming back, and that's going to be a glorious day. We're not going to have to worry about a pandemic or death or age or whatever. But do you hold on to that hope? That your eternity is so much bigger than this life has to offer. If you think about your brothers and sisters in other countries, we've been praying about them. They faced death every day to follow Christ. For us, we've had this blessing to meet together in this country, but sometimes we take advantage of it. Oh, I can go on vacation or, you know, like it's only a couple months, but sometimes in that time, you don't realize the weaknesses in your armor. You don't realize Satan is attacking and maybe you need somebody else to see that blind spot. So, be excited. You know, this is a good hope. There's the gospel here, but there's also a call from us, a call to action. And how are you going to live that out for a future generation? And how are you guys going to help encourage the older generations to keep on going until the day that they see Christ themselves? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that our youth has had today to build up our congregation, to show the hope that even our young generation has and as they're going to face so many challenges moving forward. I pray that our, us as a congregation can come alongside them, show them your great love, live it out and display it, not just to our body, not to, just to our youth, but the whole world, the congregation surrounding East Glenville. And I pray that when people look at us, they don't see people of fear, but people that have a great and wonderful hope because of our great and wonderful Savior. And I just lift these things to you. In Christ's name, amen.